Next week, I'm going to have more time. I'm going to have more money. <laughs> and then next week comes, and you think, well, next week, next week, it's going to be better. I'm going to have more time, and maybe I'm going to have a little extra money. I'm going to have more money. But uh, something is always able to somehow manage to get that extra money if you're not careful. So we're talking about things that go bump in the night, uh, those fears that get us. There's a lot of things that attack us. You know, there's a lot of things that you can be afraid of, but we don't want to live by fear. We don't live, want to live by the fears that, my goodness, they're just selling us all the time. I mean, if you, if you watch the news, and I, and I don't watch the news that often anymore, but if you do watch the news, it's just, it's just they lead with fear this, fear this, fear this. This is happening. You ought to be afraid. This is happening. You ought to be afraid. This is it. And we're going to tell you, so stay with us because we're going to tell you how you should be afraid. And, uh, and it's just, and it's, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, everybody does it. Every news source does it because it's a way to get people to listen. So how do we deal with the fears of the age, the fears of the moment, the fears that we actually have, the fears a lot of our fears are like the fears I had, you know, growing up that my closet had monsters in it, which made me wonder why monsters had that much free time to spend time in my closet. But, you know, uh, the, the things that you imagine that are not, that they're not rational and fear is not rational. A lot of times you'll wake up in the middle of the night afraid of something or begin to think about something, think about, you know, a payment that's due or, or a problem that you're having at work or a problem you're having with one of your kids or a problem you're having in your marriage and it can, be, it can loom so large, it just seems like a monster under the bed. It, it seems overwhelming. So how do we deal with that? So today, I want to talk about the fear of investment. The fear of investment. The fear of putting yourself in, investing yourself in life and not getting out what you think you're going to get. So you're a little afraid to put yourself in. Uh, you're going to recognize this person. At the age of 18, a young girl named Agnes left home. She would never see her mother and sister again. She took her first religious vows on May 24th, 1931. That may give you a hint on who it is. She began missionary work with the poor in India in 1948, replacing her traditional habit with a simple white cotton sari with a blue border. Teresa wrote in her diary that her first year was fraught with difficulty, with no income. She begged for food and supplies and experienced doubt, loneliness, and what she considered the greatest temptation was to return to the comfort of convent life during those early months. In the beginning of 1949, Teresa was joined in her efforts by a group of young women, and she laid the foundation for a new religious community, helping the poorest among the poor, as she said. In 1950, the Vatican gave Teresa permission to start the order that would later be called the Missionaries of Charity. It began with 13 members. According to Teresa, its mission was to care for the hungry, the naked, the homeless, the crippled, the blind, the lepers, and those who feel unwanted, unloved, uncared for throughout society. The people that have become a burden to society and are shunned by everyone. For 45 years, Teresa worked and invested herself in this mission. This once small order of a few women continued to grow and have, and that sounds like uh, a, a few women made it like not significant, but 
there weren't many people involved. <laughs> Let me say it that way. Uh, a few women continued to grow and have a tremendous impact all over the world. Teresa later became known as Mother Teresa. In 1979, she won the Nobel Peace Prize. At the time of her death, the missionaries of charity had 610 missions in 123 countries, including hospices and homes from people with HIV, AIDS, leprosy, tuberculosis, soup kitchens, children and family counseling, counseling uh, programs, orphanages, and schools. Mother Teresa was motivated by a heart of compassion to work in areas no one else worked. For people who had been forgotten about by most of society, she understood that if she was going to make a difference, she had to be willing to invest all she had, even when it looked like it was not worth it. In other words, one of her big main causes in the beginning is that she was caring for people as they were dying. She was just giving people care as they were on at the end of their life. Seems like a funny place to invest, my, invest your time and energy, doesn't it? But yet, she believed it was worth it. Because she overcame this fear of investing herself, she broke through and became a heroine to a lot of people around the world. And not only that, is that as it gave her a platform up until her death where she continued to... Uh, to create a lot of enemies because she did not back down from her beliefs about being pro-life. So that caused, and, and I, I remember several times when she was invited to speak in political gatherings, and she was like, you people, <laughs> you people have your values messed up. And so it, it earned her an opportunity. So, but it wasn't easy. She was working with the very poor, and she was in the beginning, in the very beginning, she had virtually no resources. She was actually herself having to beg. She's wanting to help people, and she's having to beg to have enough resources to help herself and other people. So here's what you need to understand. The blessing and favor of God, and we all have it. If you're in Christ, you have the blessing and favor of God. It doesn't mean that good things, uh, even things that are, are His will, will automatically happen or will be easy. In other words, so one day riding on a train, train Mother Teresa kind of has a second calling, and she describes it, where she believed that she was supposed to leave the convent, the comfort of the convent, and go in and live among the poor and minister to the poor. Uh, so she believed something needed to happen. She had a vision of what needed to happen. She had a belief in what needed to happen, but it didn't automatically happen. It required an incredible amount of work an incredible amount of investment. So a lot of times God will give you something. He'll give you an idea. He'll give you a plan. He'll give you, he'll give you something that he's called you to. I mean, he calls you to marriage. He calls you to parenting. It doesn't, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not God's will. It, that's a part of the process. They all require work, often a lot of work, 
and they will likely take your full investment. In other words, you've got to, you have to be all in. Thomas Edison, I've quoted him a couple of times during this series. Thomas Edison said, opportunity is missed by most people because it comes dressed in overalls and looks a lot like work. Proverbs 20, verse 4, the message. A farmer too lazy to plant in the spring has nothing to harvest in the fall. Proverbs 26, 15, also in the message. A shiftless sluggard puts his fork in the pie, but is too lazy to lift it to his mouth. That's particularly lazy right there, right? So how do we break free of the fear of investment? I mean, not even willing to eat a piece of pie. Come on. So God gave the children of Israel the, the promise. We call it the promised land. So God gave them a promise of the promised land, but they had to possess it. They had the promise, but just showing, it didn't just happen because they showed up. They had to show up. I mean, you, you got to show up. They showed up, but they also had to, had to possess the land. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. God says, God, God speaking to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead now. Therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. So we hear that, right? We're going to cross over to the land that God's going to give to us. And so that sounds easy, right? But it wasn't easy. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore their fathers to give them. There is always a gap between the promise and possession. And it always requires faith, courage, effort on our part. There's a gap between the dream. If you have a dream, a lot of you have a dream. There's things that you've envisioned. You want to happen in your life. You've dreamed about it. You want a house. Uh, you want some land. Uh, you want a business. Uh, and all of those things, um, we see people accomplish all of those things all the time, but they're not easy. You want to get a house? Well, you're, you're going to have to have some down payment money. So that probably means you're going to have to cut back in some area so that you you can save enough so that you can pay the down payment for the house. Uh, you want to start a business? You're going to work long hours, long, crazy hours for a long time getting that business off the ground. It's not going to just happen, and you're going to probably work. You're not going to make, you can, you're going to make less money than you made working your job, and you're going to make way less money per hour than you did on your job. But you're going to invest into that to see... See, opportunity, it takes investment. What's the dream? The dream, there's a gap between the dream and the reality. So how do we, how do we break free from the fear of investment? So number one, 
is, number one is this, expect a fight. Expect a fight. Uh, they had to work for every square inch of land. Now, God tells Joshua, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, which lets you know that's a fight. He's saying, no, everybody who comes up against you, you're going to be able to knock down. But you're going to have to knock them down. They're not going to be able to stand, but they're going to, they're going to come against you. All kinds of armies came against Israel from all kinds of directions. They had to fight battle after battle, beginning with, you know, they had to fight for Jericho and the walls fall down and all of that. They, 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 they still had to show up and fight the battle. They had to acquire the territory. They had to fight. Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. So this is the, at the end of his life, he's saying, I've... I've been fighting the fight. He said it's a fight. Now, and this is, this is what it looked like. This is what the fight looked like. Paul is describing in 2 Corinthians 11, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I am more so. So he's kind of bragging a little bit. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. I'm telling you, I'm, mem- I'm remembering that number, Okay. Uh, He says, I've been beaten so many times, I can't remember it, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day. And we, we, we know about one, we read in the book about one shipwreck. He's saying three times. Three times I've been shipwrecked, and a night and a day I have spent in the deep. Spent in the deep. He said, one time, it was a day and a half before I got out. Right? I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. So Paul said, hey, I've fought the good fight every day. It's been a fight. It's been all kinds of stuff. And, And here's what's great. The Lord told him before this all happened that this was the way it was going to be. He said in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, so so Jesus has already talked to Paul, and Paul is blind, and he's gone uh, to a house uh, in Damascus, and the Lord speaks to Ananias and says, go and pray for him. And Ananias says, "Uh, uh, you want me to go pray for Paul? Saul, the one who's been killing other Christians and persecuting them? Are you... Let, you know, I'm willing to do it, Lord. I just want to check the instructions one more time. You ever want to do that with God? Check the instructions one more time. And he says, the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So before Paul even starts out, what does he tell Paul? He says, Paul. I've called you the Gentiles, expect a fight. You're going to suffer. 
You know, a lot of people think, you know, Christians don't suffer. If God loves you, you don't suffer. If, if Christians don't suffer, then God didn't love Paul very much. Because he suffered a lot. So number one, expect to fight. The second thing is this, and this is really important, start today. Joshua 1, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. He's saying, get up, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Proverbs 22, 13 says, the sluggard says, I always love this verse, there's a lion outside, I'll be killed in the streets. There's a lion. And, and, and in reality, there probably was at times a lion. I mean, you think about it. There, did you know that people get killed in California jogging in the mountains because there are mountain lions that attack them? I'm, probably a lot of you have seen that viral video of a guy who was jogging in California and a mountain lion is following him and he's, he's, he's walking backwards and, and talking to this mountain lion that keeps charging at him and then stops. And, he's, and eventually the mountain lion gives up, which, which is a good thing. Uh, but lady in, lady in Colorado just recently got killed in her backyard by a, a bear. You know, in her backyard. Uh, there, you know, so you think, it's dangerous out there. It's, it's, it's dangerous out there. So, so we, we can think of all the, we can always think of all the reasons why we can't. So we put it off. Procrastination robs us of time and opportunity. So what does God say? God says to Israel, listen, we're at the edge of the promised land. Now get up and let's go. Come on, get up. Let's go. What steps do you need to take to see your dream become a reality? You know, you can be a member of the finest workout facility in the world. But if you don't go and work out, it's just window dressing for your conscience. You know, it's just something you're doing to make you feel like you're, you're doing something when you're not doing something. We're, it's just, we, we trick ourselves. So you have, to, you have to start moving toward the promise. You've got to get your feet wet. You know, God told him, he said, this is how this is going to work. He said, tell the priest that are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, tell them to go and stand in the water. Nothing's happening. He's just saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get up. It's time. Go stand. Tell them to stand on the edge of the water and then watch see, and see what I'm going to do. But nothing happens till they get in the water. Nothing happens till they start taking steps. Are you like me? I want, I want to know what's going to happen 10 steps down. I want to know 20 steps. I want to know three weeks from now. And God says, take the step. Take the step that you know. What's the step you know to take? What do you know to do? Do that. If you haven't been praying, start praying. If you haven't been reading your Bible, start reading your Bible. If, if you haven't been doing your job as unto the Lord, if you've been given a, doing a halfway job, then do your work as unto the Lord. When do you start that? Today. 
Change your attitude about it today. Have you been loving your husband or your wife as you should? Have you, have, have you been practicing Corinthians 13, love, love is patient, love is kind? I mean, you, know, you know all the stuff, right? Have you been doing what you know? Are your, are your finances a mess? Well, start untangling. Quit messing. In other words, what steps do you take? Take the first step. What, are, what do you need to do to get up out of that grave? What do you need to do to, to get, you know, it's just like to take steps. We have to get up. We have to arise. Now, so God says, now, therefore, arise. Take steps. Number three, be courageous. Be courageous. You'd be amazed how many times God calls for us to be bold and be courageous. Says the proverb says the, the wicked run from their shadow, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. See, to be courageous is to act like you believe the promises that God has made to you and that he will be with you and that he is on your side. You believe that God's for you and not against you. So Jesus tells this parable, Matthew 25. He tells this story, Matthew 25, verse 14. He's talking about the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God like? His kingdom. What is his kingdom like? He says, for it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two and another one each according to his own ability, which lets you know we don't all have the same ability and resources. And he went on his journey. And immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. And in the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five talents more, saying, Master, you have entrusted me five talents. Let me see I have gained five more talents. His master said, Tim, well done. Good and faithful slave, you were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter in the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, well... Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things in the joy of your master. The one who also had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. I mean, that, I mean we, you know, out of, we would say that seems reasonable. You know, I didn't lose it. I didn't waste it. I just didn't do anything with it. I took what I had, I dug a hole, and put it in the ground. But his master said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival... I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, 
and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does not have shall be taken away. Throw the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you let fear rob you from taking action and using your talents for the glory of God, you will miss much of what God wants to do in you and through you because you hid your talents and you hid them out of fear. We were at a, we were at a restaurant couple of weeks ago and we got, had horrible service. It's a horrible place. I will never go back. And there, there were like, we were the only people in the restaurant. And they had one waitress and she was overwhelmed. She just didn't know what she was doing. And, and I, I, I really, I felt sorry for her because the problem was is, she, nobody had trained her. She didn't know what she was doing. And a lot of these places are so desperate right now for anybody. Like, you know, the, the application form is, are you alive? And it's like, yes, okay, you're hired. So, but it was, what was so sad is that she had a mask on and she's taking our order. And she just, just mumbling. It was like, girl, help us out of here. We have no idea what you're saying. But she was so fearful. She was so fearful that she she couldn't break through. And she she need it, it wasn't her fault. It was, nobody had trained her and prepared her. But much of life is that. Much of life is that you're going to be brought into situations where you're uncomfortable and undertrained. <laughs> where, where you really wish somebody had taught you a little more, told you more, that you'd learn more. But you, you step into an opportunity and you don't know everything you wish you could know. So one of the things that's important is that you don't let fear rob you. you instead, of, instead of letting fear rob you, then you think, okay, this is an investment. I've got to invest myself. You've got to, you've got to put yourself out there. You have to be, you know, it's courageous. You have to be courageous. Sometimes you have to be courageous and, and do things that you don't feel safe doing. And, and just, you'll notice, the word boldness is used a lot in the New Testament. That right off the bat, uh, Peter, and, Peter and John are walking to the temple. They see a man who's been lame all of his life. He says, silver and gold have I none in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. They, they then... Uh, you know, tell them to quit preaching in Jesus' name. They've threatened them with prison. So then they have a prayer meeting. So all the Christians, which is not that many yet, they have a prayer meeting. And their prayer is this, Lord, grant us boldness. They're threatening us. 
They're telling us not to speak in your name. There's a risk here. There's, there's, there's a chance here that we're going to be persecuted. We may be imprisoned. We may lose our life. Lord, give us, bold, give us boldness to speak your word and stretch forth your hand to heal that your name would be glorified. And you'll find several times Paul says, pray, pray for me that I'll have boldness to speak the way that I ought to speak. He said that, that you would with boldness. He said, for what Christ has done you, do you have boldness? God wants us to be bold. He doesn't want us to be brash. He doesn't want us to be hard. He doesn't want us to be harsh. But he wants to have the confidence that when we face the giants, we can face the giant because we know he's standing behind us. So that we can have his boldness. So Lord, I want you to be bold. So how do you... How do you overcome? Well, how are you going to deal with it? You've got to expect a fight because you're going to have a fight. You need to start today. Is there stuff you've been putting off? Just think about it. Just, just go through your mind right now. What is it that I'm procrastinating about? What do I need to start? What step do I need to take? I can't, I can't solve You know, a lot of times we don't start because we can't solve it. it. It's not the whole answer. Take the step today, and then take courage. Be bold. Let's stand. I, I want to pray for you today that you would have boldness to obey the commands of the Lord. You'd have boldness to obey the commands of the Lord, that, that you would buy, be like Jesus is doing his first miracle. And uh, marriage of the, the marriage in Cana, they run out of wine. And they go to Mary and say, We've run out of wine. And so she says, Go tell Jesus. And do everything he tells you to do. And, you know, and he, so he says, well, fill up, you know, fill up these with water. That's, water's not wine. I, you know, that's going to be work. I don't know how this is going to work out, so I'm not going to start. Just do what he's telling you to do, even if you don't understand all of the outcome. What commands is the Lord calling you to obey that you're you're arguing with him about. Do it. Whatever he's telling you to do, do it. Amen? Lord, Lord, thank you that you cause your people to dream big dreams. You cause us to be dreamers. But it's not, it's not, it's not based on us. It's based on the things that you want to accomplish in us and through us, the talents that you have laid in us, you have invested in us. You've called us to, with purpose and destiny. You've given us dreams and visions. You've given us a goal for what we want to build and what we want to acquire and how we want to use it for your glory. So, God, I pray that you would release upon your people big dreams of big things for the kingdom of God. 
They'd dream about their families getting saved. They'd, they'd dream about their children being used to your glory. That, Lord, everything that you want to accomplish will be accomplished. That you would help us today. Help us, us, take the first step. Help us to step out in courage. To expect a fight. Quit, quit complaining about how hard it is. And start expecting that it's hard because we're doing important things for the kingdom of God. That you would give us boldness. That the righteousness would be as bold as a lion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Lord bless you. I love you. Have a great week. I gotta believe.